Welcome to the Phoenix Cast, a podcast about cybersecurity, technology, and innovation issues in the military. We are your hosts, John, Rich, and Kyle. Rich and I are both U.S. Marines, and the opinions expressed on the cast are those of the host, not official military policy. And Kyle's opinions are his own and not those of the businesses that he is associated with. For today's episode, we have a special guest, Brian Russell, commanding officer of 2MIG. Thanks for coming on the cast. Could you give us a quick intro? Yeah, absolutely, guys. I, I want to start by saying as a subscriber and fan of the Phoenix cast, it is an absolute professional and personal privilege to be on the cast today. I'm a 25-year uh, field artillery officer in the Marine Corps, and your audience is probably already asking, what is an artillery officer doing in command of this thing we call an information group? And I, I won't go into my entire uh, background and biography. We'll probably have some chance through the cast to talk about that. But I was coming out of battalion level command back in 2015, headed to the National War College, and that was the very first year National Defense University stood up a cyber strategy program. It's like the nation's first cyber war college for the military. And they were looking for volunteers. And it seemed at the time this uh, cyberspace domain was a growth industry. And I put my hand in the air and, and wanted to find out more about it. And uh, for most lieutenant colonels, I was lieutenant colonel at the time, leaving a war college, you are likely to go to a joint command, whether that's a combatant command or the Pentagon to work on the joint staff. And there was a general officer up there at the time, Brigadier General Glavy. He was a deputy J3 of U.S. Cyber Command. And he brought me into Cyber Command after that school assignment because uh, he had a vision for what we wanted to do as a service to take uh, more senior officers, take them to that school, uh, bring them up to Cyber Command, and then push them back uh, to the Marine Corps. So we're on our uh, sixth iteration of that type of cycle where we've got officers up at Cyber Command and they go back to the Marine Corps. So I think several years ago, as I was getting selected for command, they thought uh, Brian Russell, one each, could at least spell OIE, Operations Information Environment, with that background. And right now, I do have this wonderful privilege of leading the 3,600 Marines of one of our three information groups. Uh, in this Marine Corps. So excited to, to discuss that with you today and tell your listeners a little bit more about what that means. Excellent. And the thing I really like is that the Marine Corps kind of had the foresight to say, hey, if we want to have senior leaders who know what's going on, we're going to need to educate them. And that sounds like an awesome opportunity to kind of get you started in there. So let, let's let's back it up and really dig down into the details. So first off, what is the the MIG that you are in charge of? W what is that? Well, I'll, I'll start with a little bit of history uh, first, John. It, it's almost back to the future for us. I, I am a subordinate command of the three-star Marine Expeditionary Force uh, down here at Camp Lejeune. So I work for a three-star commander. And for years, he has had a subordinate command to help him put together information and intelligence and communications and some other specialized capability back in the mid to late 80s through about the mid 90s, it was called the Surveillance Reconnaissance and Intelligence Group, or SHRIG is what it was called. Had a little bit of success working through the Desert Storm years, but as we went into the post-Cold War, uh, peace dividend, if you will, it turned into this thing we called the, the MEF Headquarters Group, which still retained a lot of the capabilities, a communications battalion, intelligence battalion, um, fires capability and the like. But really all the MHG uh, commander did was administrative responsibility for those battalions. Most of it was coordinated directly uh, through the three-star staff. Well, fast forward now to this MEF information group, the change of technology, the recognized importance of information uh, at the joint staff levels and above. And we created this MEF information group out of that MHG. So now I am the operational commander of those capabilities with inside the MEF information group. Again, how am I operationalizing intelligence, communications, fires capability in support of the MEF commander's fight in this information uh, environment? Uh, but it came with some new capabilities where before there was a lot of talk when the MHG commander had those capabilities about operationalizing the MHG. Well, he still had to serve the three-star headquarters staff, make it work. Uh, his main job was setting up the tents, 
getting the generators, the power, the command operation center, the MEF, uh, literally, you know, the three star would call down and say, hey, portageons are full in the life support area. You got to deal with that, man. You got to support this MEF headquarters. So the Marine Corps created a, a subordinate battalion in the MEF information group to take care of that. So I have a support commander now that takes care of all the headquarters functionality. Now I am focused on operationalizing those other elements uh, of the force. And it came at the time with a few other capabilities, like an entire communications strategy company, uh, a psychological operations company, and a defensive cyberspace company, which uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more about uh, later in the cast. So it's, it's something akin to, for some of your Army listeners, an information warfare task force or multi-domain uh, task force that I am in command of. I put all of these pieces together to operationalize them and operate in the information environment uh, each and every day. And I think as a service, we, we were recognized across the Joint Force of, uh, for moving out pretty quick on this and creating this type of capability inside our tactical formations. And I think we're aware we didn't get it quite right from the beginning. We're looking at what the Commandant's saying about force design and where he wants to take the service. And I know we'll tweak it uh, along the way, but really what this MEF information group does, the value of it is task organizing all those capabilities inside and using them to operate in this information environment. Okay. And I, I heard you say, you know, we've, we've taken all these subordinate battalions, you answer directly to uh, the MEF commanding general as far as his uh, information type needs. Uh, but, you know, there's also a decent amount of these battalions have kind of individual missions as well. So, you know, 8th Com, for instance, isn't just going to provide you as the MIG commander uh, communications. They have to provide communications for the entire MEF. Um, so since you have subordinate commanders who also kind of have uh, additional jobs that they need to do, how is an 06 for all of these 05s and working in the information environment, which is new, uh, how do you give them a vision uh, that is unifying throughout the entire MIG um, or is that not really the way that you've chosen to go about it? And you, you try to help them craft an individual mission and, and, you know, to a certain degree, it all works out. How, how did you approach that? Well, John, I think you're, you're hinting at the answer there. It's a little bit of both, uh, a little bit of top down. Here's where I think we're going and, and how I think it should happen. And then there's a lot of bottom up uh, refinement in the space, but let me tell you, uh, what I mean, and I'm going to steal some notes from, um, uh, an officer in the cyberspace domain, Lieutenant General uh, Hawk of 16th Air Force, has an exceptional piece in the Cyber Defense Review, uh, summer 2020 version called Information Warfare Convergence. And in that, you read about just pointing your force on a problem, just focusing it on a problem. And that's generally the approach we take here in the MIG is here's a problem that has to be solved for the MEF. Here's an objective we need to achieve in the information environment or some type of operational imperative. And then how do all of my battalions operate together to solve that problem? That's really what this idea of convergence is about. And the solution is much better um, when everyone inside the formation here is working together for that and using their distinct capabilities and authorities in a weaponeering or uh, combined arms for the 21st century type of way. So that's really the vision and focus I try to provide. But here's just an, an inherent belief of mine that Marines are, are hackers by nature. Uh, and what do I mean by, by hacking? It has probably a very specific context uh, with your audience. I mean, generally, I, you, you give Marines a piece of gear or a capability that's designed for one thing, they're pretty creative at finding another use for that capability or that thing. And, and my artillery background uh, leads me to believe this. We used for uh, years ago, it was a decade or more ago, this uh, system called EPLARS, Enhanced Position Location Reporting System. It was basically a way to keep track of all your moving vehicles on the battlefield. What the artillery guys figured out was it's a pretty good data pipe. It's a ultra high frequency type radio signal to report all this position location data and that great data pipe, we were able to run our fire support system over it. It was a much better connection than a VHF connection. And we just plugged that thing into the, the EPLAR system and we had a much better uh, fire support system. So that's what I mean by Marines are hackers by nature. So my inherent belief here is at the small, you know, tactical level, bringing these groups of Marines from across all those capabilities, having a comstrat Marine 
and a PSYOPs Marine and a COM Battalion Marine, even a DCO IDM Marine, uh, bringing them together and putting them against a problem, we are going to see a lot of concepts and a lot of capability improvements from the bottom up. And then I think it just leads a little bit into my leadership philosophy is that I think the essence of leadership is just bringing order from chaos, uh, information environment. It's, it's hectic. There's disinformation, there's misinformation, and some of it's technical. And I think a lot of our leaders um, in the Marine Corps think it's, you know, that Hey, Russell, help me understand this. Well, guess what we do? We put these brilliant Marines into that environment, figure those things out. And it's amazing what they figure out each and every time, John. So it's a little bit of top down. Hey, let's focus on a problem uh, with all of our capabilities. But from the bottom up, uh, enable these Marines to be kind of the original hackers and uh, amazing things follow. Hey, Brian, I just want to jump in here um, and say that one, um, I'm having flashbacks to Eplars and for my uh company great days uh <laughs> but um, i was also in com at 12th marines and Eplars. i have fond and terrified memories of that system for the record <laughs> yeah so uh so one I, I also have a really deep appreciation for the artillery community having had the opportunity to be a uh, s6 at an, a, an artillery battalion um and just just understanding how fires works and how information is all integrated to actually get uh, around downrange on target is is awesome just to watch that symphony occur um, across fires organizations. But I, I have to say, I'm super excited to hear you talk about the fact that the commander of the MIG is the one that's operationally employing the maneuver elements inside of it. Like that, just for our listeners, is such a big fundamental dynamics shift in how uh, as Brian mentioned, the MHG was employed in the past if you were the MHG commander. Uh, so I just think that's amazing. Uh, and, and I want to pull out one thing that you said, Brian, which was, you know, this alignment, I'll use that phrase, of all the available resources to accomplish an objective. Uh, I think that's also super important to call out because in the software community, that's been one of the most challenging problems. So on the cast in the past, we've talked about this concept of development operations, right? DevOps for short, continuous delivery with continuous integration. These things are what we're trying to bring into organizations like the DOD. And it sounds like the MIG, and, and Brian, I'm wondering if you can give us your opinion on this, uh, seems to be one of those places where that convergence you mentioned that uh, General Hawk talks about from the 16th Air Force uh, it is just a place that's primed to make that happen. So would you agree that the, the MIG is kind of that place where you can kind of bring all of these capabilities to bear in one spot? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, Rich. And it's one of the lessons learned through some of my my history and background, particularly up at US Cyber Command when I went there and working at Morphor Cyber, is this benefit of co-location. How do you really break down silos is you have people from various backgrounds and disciplines literally sit together. And so part of the new functionality that came with the MEF information group is my version of the COC. In the Marine Corps, we call it the Information Command Center. Well, what that really represents is a uh, space professional sitting next to an intelligence analyst, sitting next to a comstrap professional, sitting next to a PSYOPs professional, sitting next to a cyber professional, all in the same room, essentially, Rich, and just sharing those ideas. And, you know, the space guy, hey, what, this is what kind of what I'm looking for, Intel analysts. And the Intel analyst comes right back and goes, yeah, I've, here, here's what I've got. And it's just that real quick back and forth, Rich, that, that happens in that type of environment. And all I'm saying is I'm trying to scale that through the organization by bringing those capabilities from across the battalions together whenever possible uh, to have that same type of environment and approach. That is, in fact, the special software is bringing people together from the various backgrounds. And again, I just I don't I don't have all the right answers on, on a lot of this. It's just I know bringing them together, they're going to come out with amazing things. Well, yeah, I just think. You know, one book that I really latched onto uh, just a few years ago when it came out was General Crystal's book, Team of Teams. And, and they talk in that book almost about everything you're mentioning, Brian, which is, you know, they talk about four things that create a highly effective organization, which it sounds like you're molding the MIG into down, down at 2MEF. Uh, and those are trust, alignment, um, 
this sense of shared consciousness. And I'll just stop with those three. Um, and, and so it sounds like as all of these resources sit next to each other, you're aligning them. And hopefully what's happening is there's this shared consciousness that kind of occurs with the group. And I know that sounds kind of, I don't know, awkward, share the, the phrase shared consciousness. And we talk about all the time using champagne words on a beer crowd, <laughs> but, um, you know, just the ability, uh, if you're an infantryman and you're going through the ranges out in 29 Palms, you start to learn the Marines to your left and right, what they'll do in a given situation. So it sounds like all of those resources, whether it's a PSYOPs person or a comm battalion, you know, IT professional, uh, if they're sitting next to each other and talking to each other day to day, they, they kind of develop what I would consider what they're mentioning in that book, which is a shared consciousness on how do we work together and anticipate each other's moves when reacting either to friendly or adversary uh, objectives in the environment. So I really appreciate that. I just, I really wanted to ask you that question because it just sounds so, the MIG just sounds like a place where greatness can happen. Well, and I'll also add in here that from a civilian perspective as well, this is the same concept that we've been doing in the IT space around, you know, integrating and, and removing all the silos between two different functions. So if, whether you're developing software and you just want an operations person or a sysadmin person or a security person or a UX UI design person sitting right next to your backend and front end developers so that there's, uh, and I'll overuse the word, there's a lot of more synergy that can happen there uh, when you can just lean across and ask a question to your peer instead of having to walk down the hall or, you know, go through a layer of management. Everything just gets more efficient. And you can bounce ideas off each other faster. That tight coupling and the shared purpose and the unified vision uh, and just the culture of the Marine Corps, it's incredibly difficult to fathom a world in which when you put all that together, uh, it doesn't just breed success by its nature. Um, but I would like to take a step back real quick because we, we've mentioned OIE a bunch of times and I'd like to make sure that we, you know, define the acronym for the audience and go a little bit into like, awesome, we got the concept of putting this all together and given the unified vision so that we can conduct operations in the information environment. But what what does that actually mean? Um, and how how is this any different? Is this is just a rebranding? Um, so Brian, if you could talk to that a little bit, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I'll, um, I'm, I'm going to give you a boiled down uh, definition of operations in the information environment because it, we have great concepts in the Marine Corps, seven functions, six capabilities for OIE. But really what we say here in 2MIG is how do I as MIG commander or all the way down to the uh, individual Marine collect, protect, or project information? And that's it. That's what we're doing each and every day. It's one of those three. I'm collecting it, I'm understanding it, and I'm better able to protect the information inside the house or the system. And then I'm projecting information uh, each and every day. And uh, that, that's kind of how we view it here. Don't need to get in fancy definitions. Just what are we doing to collect it, protect it, and project it? I love the simplicity with which you just kind of, you got to cut a nice, sensical, catchy couple words, ding, ding, ding. It's like, I think it's really easy for people to understand that. And, and that makes a bunch of sense to me. Um, so the question is, is this any different than the information warfare uh, that, that I had heard before? Or is, is this kind of just a refocusing on or making it simple in the kind of collect, protect, project uh, paradigm? Well, it's, it's different than information operations, at least per, um, I, hard to say it's current joint doctrine, still several years old. I recommend your listeners uh, reading or listening to anything by Dr. Christopher Paul of the RAND organizations. He, he has now characterized IOs, mainly a staff coordinating function. Um, what are we going to do to, quote unquote, bolt on uh, an information capability to an operation? That's really kind of the wrong approach. This is no longer a bolt on. You've got to lead with information. The story is imperative. The narrative is imperative. It's exactly what John Boyd would say. you got to lead with that idea in mind, and then you tailor your operations uh, to serve that narrative. I think that's the major difference, uh, John. And, and just to the information warfare, the Marine Corps has gone away from that terminology just because we do recognize the importance of communication strategy or uh, you know, public affairs, uh, formerly known as. Uh, and it's not a warfare type of thing. Uh, it is truly more holistic operations in the entire information environment. And that does include uh, the American public. Uh, we got to inform them about what we're doing here. They're obviously paying the bills and it's an important piece to each and everything we do. Yeah. And that's, I would say probably one of the bigger takeaways from uh, the last almost two decades at this point 
of, of doing counterterrorism is I, I think if if any Marine or really any DOD member hasn't taken the last 20 years and reflected on the fact that information is totally a thing, I, I think you have completely missed the point. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we are kind of refocusing, uh, reattacking and kind of getting after this. Um, and I also heard that uh, there are some some OIE truths. Um, do you do you want to explain those to us? And and how do you make these truths uh, understood and actionable uh, by your Marines? Okay, yeah, great, uh, great question. This is something I've been uh, chewing on for quite some time since taking command of. I think well, I get asked a lot. Here's here's the background on it. John is like how, from other commanders, even like how how do I become successful in this thing we call OIE? How do I uh, approach it. And I think more than a specific capability uh, or a thing, it's more about how you think about it. Uh, how do you think about OIE? And so I stole a, a playbook from the special operations community. They've established five soft truths, kind of describes the nature of special operations. And so I just uh, tailored it for operating the information environment. And I'll go, I'll go quickly uh, through them and we can pull the string on, on any one of them. But the first is uh, humans are in fact more important than hardware, very similar to one of the soft truths where they recognize training, equipping, and taking care of that special operator um, is more important than the kit he has, the weapon or the, the comm system. Well, I flip that on its head in, in the information environment where the adversary human is in fact more important than their hardware. And what do I mean by that? Um, just our, I think, proclivity to target and focus on the military equipment aspect of our adversaries. Uh, for the information environment, I really need to know how that adversary commander is thinking and what his relationships are and who might be in a bad relationship with him. If I want to influence him in some way, I've got to really kind of know uh, what makes him tick in his pattern of life. And of course, we need our uh, intelligence community and other information folks looking for those things, not just necessarily the missile system or the ship or, or the like. So. Uh, humans, human terrain, vitally important in this information uh, environment fight. The second is OIE requires a campaigning, competition, and connection approach, meaning this is a long term. Um, this is a, an information environment that exists today. It's in our face, and we're dealing with it right now. Um, back to my point about establishing the narrative, we're going to have to work that through time. This isn't a winning in the information environment. It is operating in it in support of the national security objectives or the military commander's objectives. And then it is competition. It's below the threshold of armed conflict. That's what our adversaries are doing to us now. Uh, They're just peppering us with disinformation, misinformation, and the like. And we just have to have that in mind as we go into it. And finally, the connection is, I think, the, the ability to be successful in this environment means we need to uh, coordinate with, talk with a lot of non-military partners in this space. And that can be allies, that can be the interagency, uh, national government, that can be industry. And you all will appreciate that, just a good, close relationship with industry for the technical aspects of the space. And so I just don't think we're bringing up a lot of our military uh, leaders and commanders to think that way about this fight. This isn't wait to uh, deploy and get into a higher end fight. If you get there and then you ask for OIE, it's too late. You got to understand the environment right now well, well before you get there with your military force. Uh, number three is uh, OIE requires agility across authorities. We've talked a little bit about that. All of those capabilities I have inside the MIF information group do come with a different pathway to get the permission to employ it. And so you need to be structured so you can recognize the opportunity and bring all of those uh, authorities to bear. Number four, uh, quantity is a quality all its own. I think uh, particularly as it relates to informing our publics or influencing uh, our adversaries, we need to be very proactive in telling the positive story about what we're doing, why we're there, uh, what this mission is all about. And it's part of countering all of that misinformation and disinformation in the space. And I think we can leverage our individual Marines to do that. I, can, I think we can leverage a lot of other uh, capabilities to continue to get our story out and talk about it. And then the last one is uh, everybody fights. And I stole this from a mentor of mine, a former uh, Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company commander, uh, first time to go out in Camp Pendleton, Lieutenant retired Mike Rice, uh, who trained everyone in the ANCO formation. Didn't matter if you were the personnel clerk, didn't matter if you were the uh, truck driver, the motor pool, 
everyone in angle code knows how to pick up a radio handset and deliver fires on the adversary. And it's the same thing in the information environment. Think about that. Marines on a handset, like <laughs> all the time, right? They're in the information environment. And uh, everybody's got to be aware of that and behave responsibly. But also there's some opportunities there. And uh, so th those are the five. Uh, John, happy to talk about any one of them. But I think it's a way of thinking about it. Vice just a thing you have to provide to be successful in OIE. Hearing that, I, I felt those five resonate like almost immediately. Uh, I'm interested, Kyle, you know, kind of having been away from and out of the Marine Corps for a while, do you feel like these are truths that kind of resonate to you or does this feel a little bit uh, military specific? I don't think it's military specific. I just, I, I love the simplicity of it, like you said as well, but it's nice to know that at least we have some truisms that are the North Star for the organization and the North Star for those who are learning about it. I mean, I, I'm an old school Marine, I guess I've been out for long enough now. I can sort of kind of say that, but you know, I, I remember what the MHG was. And as I hear Brian talking about what the MIG is going forward, it seems like not only a natural evolution, but a kick-ass evolution in how we are going to bring information warfare into more mainstream. I don't know if that's an effective way to sort of summarize that statement, but these rules help clarify what is important, what is essential, and what's the driving force behind the organization. And, and for that, I think it's wonderful. Um, I, I think that if you can fewer your words and the message that you want into something like, here's the five things, and the, the most complicated one has eight words in the line, I think that's a pretty good clarity of vision. Awesome. Rich, I have a couple thoughts I want to go into, but I want to give you a chance to hit this before, uh, before I go into them. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, John, for, for the opportunity here. Uh, I can't help sitting back listening to, to Brian and Kyle talk to think about how close those truths that Brian, uh, you know, simple invented and simplified to use that phrase uh, uh, for those who know what I'm talking about. But they are so close to the principles associated with the Agile Manifesto that it is just it is scary. Right. And, and what I mean by that, let's just talk about the first and the last one that Brian mentioned. Uh, you know, the focus is on the people. Right. So when, when you look out in the private sector, like their highest priority is to focus on people. What is of value to people? Right. Um, meaning satisfy the customer uh, and then making sure that, you know, your people, the people building and delivering the values or in our case, the people defending the nation inside of the MIG that we focus on them as the priority, their training, their readiness, their health, their welfare. Um, so anyhow, that's the first one that Brian mentioned. The last one where everybody fights, right? Wow, what an impactful statement, right? And, and it sounds like I'm being a little pedantic here, but I think this is why the Marine Corps is awesome and why the DevOps movement uh, in the private sector took off so quick, right? Everybody on your team is unique and can provide their own value, right? So like my experience both uh, on the, the private and the public side of the house is that recruiting is hard and you wanna make sure you bring people into the organization that can actually provide value and some value that's different that the people on the organization uh, already don't have as a skill set. So um, everybody fights is such a key, simple thing that I think gets glanced over when you, when you ask the question, what's, kind of a characteristic of a, a highly effective team and just everybody contributing in a meaningful way towards the objective, uh, I think it's a super critical piece you need for success. So, uh, you know, hats off to you, Brian, like, um, more and more and more, I'm like getting motivated to, uh, to go back out to the, uh, the fleet Marine force and, uh, hopefully find myself in a MIG, um, <laughs> sometime soon. Uh, not that I'm not having a blast where I am now, but this just seems like an awesome place. And, uh, I just got to say hats off like that, that that's such a great way to, to make simple the most important things that you need your people to do. So I just want to say thanks. And John, yeah, back to you, brother. Yeah, uh, you are a total thunder stealer, by the way, because that that's the that's the one like I immediately homed in on. I was like, I must talk about this uh, fifth one. Everybody fights. So I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction, though. And, you know, maybe maybe this is just the, the inner beaten combo in me. Um, but I, I got to say, here here's my take on everybody fights. Uh, we have the the axiom of every Marine rifleman and definitely at soft. Uh, the thing I heard a lot of times was 
is say everybody's got two jobs, right? So whether whether your two jobs are you know you're a comms guy and and you're a, you know a backup room clearer or what whatever it is that you do, like everybody's got two jobs is something they like to say a lot of times. Uh, here's my plea to you: um, in the information environment, the job is never even going to be close to done. So my plea is, please use information as a tool. Please be a, a better user. So, uh, you know, we've also started to say, you know, out in the field, every, every Marine a collector. So if you're an infantryman out on patrol or whatever, you have a piece in the intel fight because you can come back and let the intel section know, like, hey, I saw this, this was weird. And it all kind of goes into the different things that we're picking up so that we don't just have specialties doing things. Um, and I'm going to beg you to please have a second job be a user of information. Have a second job be knowing the information systems that you use. So, colonels, I am speaking to you. Please learn to dial your own phone, set up your own VTCs. These things are going to be these things are going to be force multipliers. Like if you want to be fighting in the digital world, you got to start taking some steps to being a digital native. And that goes across everyone. Uh, as as these cyber tools get more complex, defense is going to be harder and harder. Like we need each and every, every one of you on the fighting line, ready to go. And, and uh, Brian, before I move on, I know OIE is the thing that you uh, live, sleep, breathe. So before we transition topics, I wanted to give you a chance if you had any uh, final OIE thoughts. Um, I want to come back just real quick about um, because information is in the title that this idea of military information power accounts for both the informational and the physical. And, and what do I mean by that? Uh, one of the functions of OIE is um, attacking and exploiting networks and systems, which I think to this audience is going to mean one thing. Um, but if some of us who are around in the Iraq and Afghanistan days recall the, the counter ID fight, that, that, that had physical aspects of it as well, certainly knowing the adversary, but what were the techniques and operations we conducted to really break down that network? It's a balance of both informational and physical. Our actions do have to match the words and, and vice versa. So I think we're still in a place maybe in the Marine Corps and others where um, you hear the term OIE and they do just think it's psyops and uh, influence thing. No, this is absolutely from the very beginning consideration of all aspects of military power, either informational or physical, and how do we synchronize that all together to produce the outcome or solve that problem uh, I talked about before. It's not just uh, information uh, focused. Excellent. Uh, and so uh, transitioning topics here, uh, I've got word that uh, you are going to be starting a podcast down at 2MIG. Uh, can you let us know a, a little bit about that and what were your motivations into wanting to start a podcast and, and, and who do you expect the audience to be? Yeah, great, great questions. And we're really excited about that down here. And I've got to give um, kudos where they're deserved to folks like you that are in the podcast space uh, and pushing out content that's valuable uh, to people. And so back to that fifth um, OIE truth of everybody fights. The, the intent of our, our podcast is really to help equip Marines and commanders across the service and, and some others I'll talk about for just this, re this realization that uh, you are in the arena. You are in the information space, whether you uh, realize it or not, or whether you like it or not, uh, you are in there. And so you've got to be equipped for that reality. So um, we're, we're going to call the podcast Gladiator School. Uh, again, back to this idea, you're, you're in the arena and we're going to try and equip you uh, to be more effective uh, in that arena. And we're going to take as, as personal approach we can with it. And what I mean by that, uh, conversational, like, like this podcast is, uh, it's going to be focused on the individual Marine or, or commander and, and just talk about what does an operation in the information environment look like. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's not that much different than uh, other operations uh, my Comstrat Marines conduct OIE every day, but what does that really look like? That look that looks like looking at the campaign, determining the intended objective, planning either a media engagement or a Twitter post to achieve that objective, conducting that engagement or Twitter post, and then assessing its effectiveness on the back end, and then bringing that back in for an evaluation before you do it again. That's like any other military operation I've ever been involved in: planning. What do you want to achieve? Conduct it, do an after action report, and then be better 
the next time. And so that's what we're trying to do for not only our Marines, but uh, a little bit for our family members as well. They're operating in the same environment. So trying to bring up their awareness uh, of what this is all about. And I just think we want to be as postured on as many platforms as possible. Uh, Again, here we go back to the OI truths. Quantity is quality all its own. So we're not just Twitter focused, Facebook focused, media engagement focused. We'll do we'll do podcasts, too, and just trying to reach as many uh, folks as possible with that. And that's the thing that's really interesting about the information environment. It, it's not like uh, some of the other areas where, you know, you, you deploy to country X and you have your very clearly delineated battle zones with left and la- right lateral limits and, you know, geographically bound and that kind of stuff uh, with your quantity is a uh, quality all of its own. The information space is huge. And I just wanted to take a second, you know, you, you mentioned and family members, that's not something we're used to having in the calculus. Uh, and wow, uh, thinking of, of our family as part of the information space it is, is probably something that we should put more thought into. And I'm excited to hear uh, what the Marines of 2MIG have to say about this kind of stuff. Uh, Rich, Kyle, any thoughts? Rich, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll take it. Thanks, Hal. Um, see, my, my I kind of echo what what John said. Like, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the Marines do with this. So, Brian, you mentioned earlier, you know, um, kind of coming up with the objectives and then giving, you know, empowering the the people within your organization, so the Marines and Tumig, to um, just drive forward to achieve the objectives. So, I, I'm really interested to see you know, what content they bring to the podcast. Um, I, I would love to, you know, subscribe and listen and, you know, just do some cross-pollinization between the Phoenix cast and Gladiator School. I, I think that would be super cool. Um, and, but more importantly, I think that this whole concept of, of what we're trying to do in the information environment to help defend the nation um, it is something that we really, really, really need to talk and discuss a lot about. So just creating that forum, I think is going to be awesome. Um, I think I think the one thing that most people learn during this whole global pandemic that we, we know as COVID um, is, you know, we can't stop protecting the things that we hold dear, whether that's our families, our health or our way of life. So I think um, I'm really interested to see kind of you know, the content that you guys put out there uh, as the folks on the forward edge uh, inside the MIGs protecting the information environment. So Kyle, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm most impressed with is just the binary fact that it's getting done as a podcast. I, I think back to my time when I was in and what it would have taken for me to get an organizational opinion from any particular unit that was out there, regardless of where they fell from the, the four stars on down. You know, if I wanted to hear what a different comm battalion was doing, I needed to know somebody there. And then it was always filtered through, you know, their personal opinion or how much time they had or if they could respond to my email. And the ability to take something like a podcast where, and we selfishly do this, you know, every week we get together and we sort of nerd out about the thing that we are most knowledgeable about. And when you start talking about a something like a MIG and taking duty experts from every specialty and, and, and area within that command and giving them a platform to share, you know, and not just like, a, oh, here's the best practices of how to do things X, but even getting into the theory of how they support the warfighter and how things can work better and what they see in their lessons learned that they've pulled in from, you know, the last field op or whatever it ends up being is a really cool opportunity. And you get to really enable the people within your command to, you know, get on their soapbox for a couple seconds and say why they think something should be different or why something is the way that it is. And it's a really great opportunity and, and you can throw it on in the background while you're, you know, preparing for field day or whatever it ends up being. Now, I don't know if we still do field day anymore because everyone's just at home. But either way, uh, I, I can't wait to listen, quite frankly. So, Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Kyle, two MIG still does field day, just to let you know. Okay, check. It. Good to see the Marines hasn't <laughs> changed. Awesome. Love it, sir. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. To, to your point about the soapbox and, and back to my comments that I, I don't have all the answers in the space. There's no way. Uh, right. None of us do. These Marines. It's these brilliant Marines here. Uh, that have the answers. And I think the other reason we're doing this is some of these OIE things get fairly technical. And so an ability to explain that in layman's terms to a lot of our force, I think is very beneficial. Give you guys a lot of credit. Love that solar winds episode. Just the way you were able to break it down into kind of some layman's terms for all of us uh, to understand is, is part of what we're after, trying to make it understandable for our folks. Thanks. I appreciate that. And I, I do hope 
uh, you know, not not to get too uh, love festy here, but I do hope the Marines understand the opportunity that they have. I, I could not have imagined anything like this 10 years ago, uh, you know, as a captain and we're like having two star generals come on and like speak their opinion on the direction we think we should be going. Uh, and and O6's commanders coming on and saying what a unit should look like and how it should fight and their general ideas coming up with their own version of truths. Uh, this is a level of access that just was not out there before. Uh, so it, it is definitely an exciting time. And I hope the, the the newer Marines who maybe didn't know anything else understand what a different and unique opportunity that this is. Absolutely, um, John. And speaking of different and unique opportunities, uh, I like that I get a chance to address a question and I don't have to be the one to do it. So I have gotten from a, di- a billion different directions that people want me to talk about tactical cyber. Um, and the nice thing is, is... I've, I've got Brian on here who owns a uh, DCO IDM company. Um, so I can just kind of like, acronym check. What's DCO yes. IDM? Yeah, well, I, I bet he has an answer for us there. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, DCO IDM, what is that? And what is this tactical cyber? So tactical cyber is here. It is a reality, gentlemen, here out in the fleet Marine force. And certainly a, a key capability of, of it is this, uh, DCU IDM company. And boy, what what a name. You, you'd think we might be able to do a better job as an information command coming up with a better descriptor of this capability. But DCU IDM, Defensive Cyberspace Operations, Internal Defensive Measures. For most of your listeners, that dog kind of hunts like a cyber protection team. That's what it was designed like. That's essentially my version of a cyber protection team down here in 2MIG. And what is, what is that Uh, force designed to do. It is designed to hunt for adversaries on our networks and then have the rules of engagement to defeat them when those threats are encountered. So simple as that. I don't like the the defensive cyber name writ writ large, Uh, very initiative-based, very threat-informed, proactive hunting on the networks and making sure uh, they are protected. And then, oh, by the way, it exists inside a MEF information group. So how do I use that capability to influence adversary perspectives of us? How, you know, pairing that with PSYOPs capability, intelligence informed, if only there was an organization that had an entire intelligence battalion and radio battalion inside. Yeah, that's that's called the MIG. So when you talk about threat informed uh, cyberspace operations, the, these Marines are essentially conducting cyberspace reconnaissance on our own terrain uh, to counter those threats. It's Again, it's operations in the information environment. They plan it, they rehearse it, they conduct it, they do an after-action report, and then we rinse and repeat uh, to keep these threats out of our networks, off of our weapon systems, off of the critical uh, command and control uh, architecture that the MEF commander needs to fight. And I want to answer this so badly, but I know, like, I can feel Rich's uh, leg twitching from like thirty miles away. So, uh, Rich, you go ahead, and I'll follow you up. <laughs> thanks, John. I-, I am literally like at the starting line, leg twitching. Um, but uh, Brian, thanks, thanks so much for the breakdown. Uh, I agree that the, the acronym is is pretty expansive in nature. But um, I-, I just wanted to to actually go back to a couple casts, right? So we had the solar we- uh, winds breakdown. Then uh, we did the Baron same edit cast for the pseudo phone, and we kind of talked about some open source there as well. Um, and one of the things I mentioned on that cast, uh, and I think it was a knife hand moment, was the two things you need to do to, to protect your network, right? So the, the basics of blocking and tackling of you know patching and logging, right? We kind of repeated that multiple times, but I think what Brian just mentioned, what's super awesome about a... DCO IDM company uh, doing reconnaissance on your own network is I think we often overlook the, the, I think the most basic of basic skills that folks have to have in this environment. And it's just know your network, right? And that doesn't mean you're a network engineer and you're, you're mapping the network out and you're looking at all the routers and the switches and the internet working devices. I just think it means if you're a leader, which every Marine is, you have to have some basic understanding of your network, right? And in the information environment, that network is huge, right? It, it, it has the, you know, the, per, the human layer, right? The physical layer, the logical layer. Uh, you know, we talk about personas, right? Like using 
uh, you know, different applications to do chatting and stuff like that. Like all these different layers and what your network looks like is massive. So to try to protect that, I mean, that's such a huge task for that DCO IDM company and those Marines inside of it. So um, I, I just agree with you, Brian. Like I think simplifying that they're out there protecting, doing reconnaissance on, on our own internal networks to defend them uh, is a great way to phrase it. But I also think um, just because it's simple in nature in that phraseology, it is massively challenging. And I think a lot of folks um, <clears throat> who operate or more importantly, just our professionals in this space, sometimes just overlook the basics of understanding what your network is and, and all of its different component parts. So um, sorry, John, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. I just, I couldn't resist, you know, talking about that because I think when we talk about OIE, it, it's so much bigger than just IT networks. Back to you. I got to just double click on something you just mentioned there, Rich. Um, only because we're talking about such an amazingly great acronym. Uh, can you help me understand phraseology and how it applies to something with an acronym like DCOIDM? <laughs> I, I'm just constantly reminded of that scene in Boondock Saints with symbolism and phraseology is my new favorite word. Kyle always with the hard hitting takes. Yep. Never let it go. So um, can't let it go. Can't let it go. Phraseology. It, it, it is now officially a thing because Rich just made it one. Uh, so Brian, I'll take a stab here because what, what I do want to do is make sure that our civilian audience, as well as maybe some people who are looking for a little bit more, get a chance. So um 100% with both what you and Rich said, I would say um, kind of breaking it down and boiling it even simpler is we have cybersecurity service providers, the general blocking and tackling security stuff that needs to be done on a network. You're patching, you're hardening, you're setting up the architecture in a reasonable and sensical way. Pretty much all the stuff that uh, Rich and Kyle and I have been talking about as far as the cloud is concerned uh, on, on your tactical networks, normal security you're used to. That is not DCO-IDM. DCO-IDM comes on top of your standard and consistent security that you put in place and gives the MIG commander an opportunity to, almost as a tactical reserve of defense, uh, gives you a chance to shore up based on that threat-informed uh, posture, shore up defenses in certain areas or around critical mission systems or, or whatever. So it's kind of a additive and adaptable security uh, option to be able to go with. Um, do, do you agree with that or is it a little bit uh, more nuanced than that? John, I, I absolutely agree with that. That's the, the basic approach we take. But I'll, I'll mention two things. One, back to the breaking down of silos. Uh, DCUIDM company has a very close relationship and presence in our network operations center and they have a presence and relationship in my information command center. So they're, they're always in the environment. They're always talking to the folks, those cybersecurity professionals who are in the environment. And so when you have a solar winds type of event, and, and what I guess I can share about our response to that was, we very quickly knew what we were dealing with and were able to report back to the commander as well as uh, Marfor Cyber what our posture was in advance of the, the timelines that we were given to do that because we were in there. This uh, concept of persistence, always being in the environment, that's the benefit, guys. That is the absolute advantage we bring by conducting operations in the information environment each and every place we can. We just have that uh, certainly technical sense because of the, the nature of the cyberspace domain, but also the intuitive sense of knowing what we're dealing with, knowing who to talk to, back to that connection point, and just doing that quicker than our adversaries. That's what this is all about. Excellent. Thank, thank you very much for that clarification. And and yeah, you hate it when current events uh, confirm your hypotheses and, and justify org, but then at the same time, you're kind of like, hey, uh, I'm glad that worked out. Um, so moving on real quick, because I, we got a couple more topics we really want to make sure to cover. So we did an episode on the Marine coders, essentially uh, crowdsourcing writing of code to get after mission requirements, uh, e even down to the tactical level. Uh, and, and you had mentioned offline that this was something that resonated with you. What are you looking to do to operationalize or, or make tactical uh, the concept of Marine coders? And what direction do you think that's going to take? Well, I, I think ultimately, I just want to enable the brilliance I know I have in this formation. Um, for, for example, I've got a uh, captain and intelligence battalion 
who's a coder. He's actually uh, developed. You can follow him at Marine Message Bot on, on Twitter. What, what does Marine Message Bot do? It, it scrapes our Mar admin page. So for, for non-Marine listeners, Marine Administrative Message, uh, Marine Corps publishes policy guidance, information about upcoming promotion boards, school opportunities in this thing we call Mar admin posted on their website. And you just have to kind of remind yourself every ever few days, go to that website and see what kind of the new information is. Or if you got, you know, aggressive uh, adjutant or sergeant major, maybe they'll email that out to you. Well, well, the Marine Message Bot just scrapes that page and posts it to Twitter right away. So I've got that level of creativity and talent uh, inside the formation. So I just want to provide them an environment uh, to practice that, to get better at that, and then use it to solve our operational problems. Again, come back together as part of this team. What is something that can make us better and produce that thing that can make us better? And uh, I think that is really uh, the wave of the future for us. When I think about the systems I have inside this command, to do this mission, I think I need to be able to modify those on the fly. We, we can't be so slow to wait for the, the acquisitions process to develop me something in a couple of years. Uh, I think back to uh, General Glavy and, and Brett Goldstein, the, the Director of Defense Digital Service, War on the Rocks article a few months ago, the, the Battle for Moncala, doing application development for a Marine Corps system within 90 days that is eight times, 20 times better than that Marine Corps system. That's what I want to be to enable inside this command because that's going to make us more successful in this information environment fight. Rich, do you have any thoughts on developing the tactical edge? <laughs> John, uh, again, you know my leg is shaking over here. Uh, so yes, absolutely. So so Brian, um, I, I'm I'm just very happy that you're you as a leader in that organization are pushing that mental model uh, of you know innovate using code on the fly, right? And, and what I mean by that is we're not going to build like, you prob probably aren't going to build the newest version. I'll use a fires terminology of like a firing system, right? That you're going to field out to the entire meth. Although that would be pretty wicked awesome uh, to use a technical phrase, but just having the ability to like script and automate and connect applications together, like you just mentioned with the Marine messaging bot, like th that's where, you know, uh, people save themselves time. So I, I think back a long time ago, and I'll use a phrase that some people liked and other people didn't like. There was really not really a middle ground here, but you would hear people use the phrase, the network-enabled Marine. And that came, obviously, from General Mattis talking about having a Marine that had all these technologies uh, that they could yield at a time and place to get a decisive advantage over an adversary uh, in a networked fashion, right? Uh, and that kind of morphed into different things if you were in different locations in the Marine Corps when General Mattis mentioned that at the time. But uh, I, ju I just go back to if, if you can gain an advantage by saving yourself time in an efficient way, whether that's, you know, in your day-to-day -day admin, like Marine Messaging Bot, so you don't have to waste time scraping through a web page, and that gives you the time to then go train so that your skills are ready to go when you need them to use them against an adversary, or, or something else, some other efficiency you can gain in your day-to-day, -day. I just think that's awesome. Uh, so... I mean, I really want to foot stomp that, right? Innovation comes from the Marines or the civilians or the contractors that are working in that space. Um, and, and having the ability to actually innovate with tools and here are, you know, the phrase of coding or building applications at the tactical edge, I think is kind of what a lot of people are using now. I, I hear that, you know, now having the ability to be up in the, the um, national capital region, I hear that phrase kind of being floating around in different communities of interest. Um, so, you know, the MIG being at the tactical edge, I mean, it just makes sense that this is where that is going to occur, right? And in the new MOS of 0673, the cyber application developer, like they're going to land not not only in the other parts of the fleet marine force, but, but there's going to be some of them more than likely in places like the comm battalion inside the MIG. So, I just think this this is where it's at. This is where, you know, if I'm a young Marine and I want to make a difference or change how things happen on the day-to-day, -day, I'm going to go write some code, right? And I'm going to put it somewhere and I'm going to invoke it when I need it. And I just think the Marine messaging button and, and the example you gave, Brian, I just think it's awesome. So um, kudos to, to that mental model. Uh, John, my leg started to slow down from shaking, so I'll turn it back over to you. Well, I want to jump in for a quick second and, and talk about that captain who wrote the spot. 
if we pull back and talk about what John mentioned earlier, where he called out, you know, colonels and, and other officers who need to be able to set up their own VTC and program their own phone. I mean, that was said tongue in cheek, but this gets to the heart of, I think, your point there, John. This captain wrote an application that interacts with a bunch of different APIs and takes data from one place and puts it in a better format in another place, which saves people time. And if we go down that path long enough, th that starts to have, you know, exponential impact on everyone around that one captain. And if we go down that captain's career, he or she will speak technology and understand technology, the information space, and the way that things interact at a specific language depth, at a fluency that others will not. And you will be left behind if you don't actually get on board with some of this stuff, try these things out. And I would extend that and say, it's not about programming your own phone, although that's important. It's not about setting up your own VTC, although that is important. I challenge everybody that's out there, write some code, have an active and maintained GitHub account in some way that just shows that you have a fluency. It doesn't need to be masterful. It doesn't even need to be good. You don't even need to comment your code. But what I'm saying is see how the world interacts from a technological perspective and learn how to employ that because that is yet another tool in your toolbox. And in this increasingly complicated and increasingly prevalent information and cyber operations and all of the things that roll up into cybersecurity and that we talk about on this cast, you have to be able to play ball on that same field. Yes. Kyle, that is a yes, yes, uh, a thousand times yes. Um, but one one thing I, I have to, and, and I agree uh, with the characterizations on there as well, like that, that is what we need to be doing. Um, but I, I would really be remiss, you know, we've got an 06 commander on here in, in, in the information environment. I would really be remiss if I didn't take at least a minute to ask, uh, Brian, what do you recommend to uh, e either peers or, or junior officers looking to make their way towards your billet or, you know, to that level of impact or, or get into the information fight? Like, what should we be reading? Uh, what podcast should we be listening to? Is there a school that we should try to tee up? You know, what, what can you do to kind of help the rest of us develop as, as we get better in the information sphere? Yeah, great, great question. And, and I, so many answers pop into my head about that, but I'll just give you a couple of perspectives. One is, what, what I think prepared me for this position is, is more experienced than any particular school um, or training event. It was a little bit of time at Marine Special Operations Command, small teams, unique capabilities. How do you train that? How do you prepare it? How do you punch it out the door? It was the time at that organization I called Anglico, working by, with, and through partners. Uh, we didn't talk a lot about that in this uh, podcast, but they have phenomenal capabilities and different authorities to employ them and staying connected with them well before the, the, the fight, if you will. Uh, hugely important. It's all about relationships. One of my cyber command experiences was working with the National Security Agency and how do you bridge those two organizations together uh, to produce maximum value uh, on behalf of the nation. Uh, so I think that that was, you know, just experiences more than anything uh, to help prepare me for this job. Uh, and then I'll, I'll just say a recommendation is to approach this just like General Glavy told us in uh, the podcast you had with him. Approach things with humility. Listen to a lot of people. Uh, my first few weeks on the operations floor at U.S. Cyber Command, I was a battle captain. Boy, you know, I was just being IP addresses and domain names, and it was just coming at me fast and furious. I had to pull that staff sergeant aside and say, hey, uh, Marine, write this on a whiteboard for me. Draw me the picture and, and show me what you're trying to, to, to say to me here in, in, in pictures. And just you got to approach it like that. And certainly never be afraid uh, to keep on learning. MCDB 7 Learning, our new doctrinal publication in the Marine Corps, is exactly right. It is lifelong. Have to put your nose in some books, have to listen to some podcasts. Uh, you always have to keep improving your own personal position uh, for the space. And just like Kyle said, that might be coding, just get in there and do it. Uh, it might be something different. Uh, be in the space. I'm on uh, social media probably a little more than some of my peers are comfortable with, but I got to be in the space. I uh, got to understand uh, what that's all about. And just a specific recommendation. I'll give a shout out to the Information Professionals Association. They've got a podcast called The Cognitive Crucible. They bring on a whole host of information professionals talking about this idea of cognitive security and inoculating ourselves uh, for the environment. So certainly uh, commend that to your listeners. 
Excellent. Th- thank you for sharing that. Uh, Kyle, we, we, are, we are almost there, and you know what needs to happen at this time. Give us your hottest of hot takes. Uh, learn to code and learn how you could do something simple. I, I would challenge anyone out there that has anything shiny on their collar to go make a Twitter bot. I don't care what it's for. Just go do it. Make it order pizza for you. It doesn't matter. But you will learn so much about basic tech and so much about the, the, the way data flows from one place to another that is critical to your success as a cyber officer in any way, shape, or form. And Brian, I just want to say thanks a ton for coming on. This has been really informative for me, just an old guy who still thinks MHGs are a thing. And now uh, I, feel, I feel MIG ready, at least to, to talk about it. MIG ready. I love it. Okay, so uh, Brian, before we hit the outro, um, besides uh, introducing your Gladiator School, which uh, listeners, I'd love to you to uh, give Gladiator School a listen, premiering 16 March. Uh, is there any other social media you'd like to plug? Uh, is there a place you want people to listen to you on? Well, obviously, the two MIG uh, Twitter page, Facebook page, Instagram. Uh, our our commstrat marines are doing some pretty creative things out there, so I highly encourage you to follow us out there on social media, guys. Awesome, and and uh, we'll have for the listeners, we'll have that in the show notes, uh, all the different areas for you to get hold of uh, Brian's command to Mig and the different things he wants you to take a look at. Uh, will be in the show notes. So, dear listeners, thank you so much for joining us. You can connect with us on social media by going to Twitter and following at USMC underscore TF. P-H-O-E-N-I-X. That's USMC underscore Task Force Phoenix. Our editor is Sarah Clarkson, and marketing support is provided by Hector Alejandro. You can support the cast by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review and any comment. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, listeners. This is Kyle. I wanted to take a quick second and let you know that disinformation is a thing. And in today's episode... I gave Rich a bunch of crap about using a word that I thought was made up. It's called phraseology. See, doesn't that word kind of sound made up? But T-I-L, as was pointed out to me by Rich in an embarrassing admission of absolute defeat on my side. Phraseology is a word. It actually is a 20-point Scrabble word, which tells you that it's kind of big and a big deal. So check it out on Wikipedia. Phraseology is a thing, the study of lots of stuff related to phrases. And Rich... I'm sorry, you were right, I was wrong.